Welcome to Feel Feelings with Danny and George, the show that talks about feelings and the things that make you feel them. Hey, George. Hey. Hi. It's, it's playlist episode time again. Playlist episode. That's not the theme song, but that's the one I just wrote right now. It is amazing that we've been doing this for, what, probably six months now, and there isn't a playlist episode theme song. We have I, so many dumb theme songs for everything I'm, else. I'm very busy. That's fair. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> we're, we're joined today by the, the host of the returning Talking Sit podcast and co-founder of Everything Wasted Robot. We have Silas P. Hey, boss. Hey. Hey, what up, what's buddy? up, fellas? How you uh, doing? Good. Last time I was here, I was um, a Scrooge-like character. Yeah, you were, you were quite the crank. I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you paid me well to do that. So, I mean, I just want to set that right. You're getting paid? Phenomenally. Every ad break is 200. <laughs> I just recorded an episode of Talking Sid, and I had to mention to the guests that every ad break is roughly 200 grand. Is that not what you guys are doing? Oh, we're, no. We're not quite hitting that. Don't we're tell pro, George. We're pro bono. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this was a We're doing this positive. as a favor. We just really support. Positive we just really support Anchor as a company. Mm. And we're like, no, no, you keep your money. <laughs> I'm proud of everything they're doing over there. <laughs> Anything they give us, I give right back. <laughs> no, 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 please. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we're we're doing a playlist episode. We we have you, the host of, of the the wonderful Talking Sit podcast that focuses on multicam sitcoms and talking about the history of all of these shows. I will say, um, I did do what I thought this afternoon was my first non multicam. Oh, uh, okay. Recovery. Are you gonna do you want to spoil it or do you want to let it? I mean, it's coming come out, out in a few weeks. Um, okay. So we'll see. But um, I realized that was a lie because I did Mash last year, and I'll give you a hint. This oh, one yeah, is very yeah. similar. This is in a similar theme to Mash. But it's also okay. not a single it's camera. after mash. <laughs> yes, it's just after mash. <laughs> so, so yeah, in, in honor of your your podcast, we're we're going to give you a a TV theme song as the number one starter of this playlist. Um, for the people new to the playlist episodes, the way it works, we George and I decide beforehand what the song is going to be to start with, and then it is up to our guest to follow that song with a song that has any type of connection to the previous song. Like, so it can be anything except for, it cannot be the same artist and you can't repeat artist anywhere in the playlist and it can't be a cover of the same song. So if it's a, somebody you know covered the song before it, skip the cover connection and just play another song by the band who made the second cover. So a little bit different, with this one, because it is so hard to pick from so many classic TV theme songs, um, to have a little bit of a element of surprise for George and I, we decided to do 10 songs. We picked 10 songs that could be the potential starter songs for this playlist. And it is up to you now, Sean, Silas, to pick a number between one and 10, and that will decide what the song is that we are going to start this playlist with. All right. So numbers, you know, I don't believe in math as a rule, but so numbers That's ain't fair. good for me. But let's go with four. Number four. Okay. You have drawn the fantastic song, the Love is All Around from Mary Tyler Moore. 
damn. Uh, okay. I was hoping for uh I don't wanna win. I know it's not a sitcom, but I love it. Yeah. Cole I mean Cole. Full full disclosure, Cole. I was uh set to rig this to be Malcolm in the Middle, and then Malcolm in the Middle turned out to not have a theme song on Spotify that we could use. Oh, okay. And then Michael Giants have blacked that one out for some reason. That's huh. a shame. Speaking That's of weird. sitcoms and stuff, while we're on the subject, before we move on to the next song, uh, so what was your? Did you watch WandaVision? Because I feel like that's like a show right up your alley. Yes, um, it was funny. So I watched it with uh, my girlfriend, and uh, and we were watching, and we we're like, you know, everyone else is probably watching because like they're big, like what is it, MCU, Marvel, Cinematic yeah. Universe people. I'm like, we're just watching it, screaming like, "That's the stairway from Growing Pains. <laughs> yeah. That's the carpet from Family Ties." The half uh, the time I was watching that show, I was just going like. Silas would like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just I really, the little I mean, in jokes throughout each episode. Oh yes, oh, it's so good. And they really nailed the Malcolm in the Middle era. They really that, 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 that was the one oh, that got me the most excited. One. When when that theme song started, I was like, "They're doing it!" Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but that was really good. I could do it without all the superpower stuff, but the rest of the show was very good. <laughs> you know I, the heart of it, but that's fine. I, <laughs> I wanted it to stay in that Dick Van Dyke Bewitched era longer because yeah. that's my favorite era of television ever i could yeah. i could live on those shows and nothing new would ever need to come out mm -hmm. but yeah you know i guess they have to progress the plot and be part of a Ooh. giant universe of movies and all mm. yeah, yeah like know. yeah i'm a big I, fan I, but i'm also rolling my ass because yeah. <laughs> i am a follower <laughs> now um there is a current show that's doing something similar and that's called kevin can can um can f himself yes I, I legit I saw an advertisement for it. Oh, it's like really good. Premise a lot. It, it looked really very good. good, and I wanted to to get whatever plus AMC plus or whatever we did, it we is. We did for the week just to get the extra episode early. <laughs> okay, uh, remind me to cancel that. Send me a reminder for yeah. the week. We'll I, put I it think in the I, uh, work calendar. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have that one queued up for when that first season ends. I'm gonna go yeah. get AMC plus in a trial and and ditch it as good soon idea. as possible because that that show looks very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it hits it. Uh, but so yeah, the the title of the the song is "Love Is All Around." It's by Sonny Curtis. It is the theme song to the Mary Tyler Moore Show. So any other connections, you can use Mary Tyler Moore. You can use the artist, the song name, any words in the name, any of that stuff. Well, you and I yeah. have played this game before, so you have a general yeah. idea of it. So yeah, yeah, you can use any of those connections to come up with for your next, next choice for the jump off. And this is not obviously theme song related it's no no you, to the entire you, musical history of you can of take it anywhere world. you want from here what if yeah. i just really did i was trying to think i was like man could i swing this just to like all theme songs and all my picks like you guys <laughs> have normal stuff and then i'm just like nope we're doing wkrp in cincinnati baby <laughs> oh um, i should say before you make your pick everybody's going to do five today so we'll end up with a 16 song playlist at the end maybe. cool um so my pick is uh, i'm gonna actually keep it local in philly and this is someone I really enjoy coming with the love theme. And that is Love is Blind by Eve. That would be uh, okay. Rough Riders Eve. Um, and I remember like that was a like that album came out when I was in high school. And that was like, again, it was like Heron Lauren Hill is like the top like female rappers at the time, women rappers uh, that like everyone had that album. And that was a it was a I mean, it's a song about like domestic abuse and stuff. Not fun, but it's a really good song. Really yeah, that. I mean, that that is one of those hooks that, like, I could, I mean, legit have gone, what, 20 years now without listening to it regularly, and mm -hmm. it's in my head immediately when you say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Pretty good choice. Not going to lie. Uh, who, who do you want to go next? Oh, you can take it if you. Yeah. Yeah. On the, on the Eve front though, um, our, our recent guest for two episodes back, uh, John Laron recently put up his own personal Eve playlist that kicks a lot of ass. <laughs> like go, go find Laron. him. It's probably, it's probably like two or three I weeks was, old at this point, but yeah, go I find him. To, uh, yeah. I was talking to John for a long time last night at the grape room. Uh, cause I told him I met Schoolie D finally. Yeah. And, um, I saw that picture. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I told him, I was like, you're probably the only person here who can appreciate this. I was like, Schoolie D's upstairs. And then I just told him. Like, <laughs> so we were was he over. just there? Like what was yeah. he? Um, so he lives local in, in, uh, in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, um, and he's always just hung out at the grape room. And like I okay. mentioned to him, he didn't realize one of his hats used to sit in the sound booth there for years you've you've told me that before but i didn't understand kind of like the how of it yeah i guess i just felt i didn't have to it's just like you forgot something sometime i guess yeah 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 yeah. he just left it there but But yeah we have school ed's house keys uh, yeah yeah it's always just been very casual Uh, (laughs) so yeah george eve love is blind what do you got all right let there be eve there will be eve uh because this is on my uh personal playlist of technically it came out in the 2000s i think it's 2000 or 2001 um but uh, it's on my 90s movie but it's good playlist okay um and this is the emotional scene where uh the girl after prom it's a coming of age tale obviously uh and she uh she she's dancing with the guy at prom and this song's playing and then they kiss and it's awkward and it's cute and it's great so we're gonna do uh, here's to the night by Eve Six. Uh, okay, nice, very nice. I, I'm a big fan of Eve Six. I yes. here's what I love about Eve Six is that guy on Twitter. Is that guy uh, yeah, on Twitter? He's Max, he's fucking yeah. fantastic on Twitter. But uh, I'm a big X Files fan. My Barbie dolls are above me right now. I've uh, Barbie and Ken as Scully and Mulder, and uh, I'm a big X Files fan. Eve Six is named after a character in x-files is that what it is yeah i know it's about i never knew it's about a series of cloned women and she was the sixth eve that they made and they're like twin creepy girls that like are like just like what was that name of the sheep that got cloned oh uh Uh, dolly dolly Dolly. they're just dollies um but they like named their band after this had hits a couple years later with that name uh-huh. And then, you know, not they're obviously great on Twitter, but they're not being played on MTV all the damn time anymore. Uh, and that show was still airing. Yeah. Like, I think ah. it's the first or second season is they have the episode Eve. And like it took like the band's life as like a big hit band was shorter than the entire show uh, of, of of X-Files. That's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Although they're yeah. a band again now, so they have their own album. I'm they just saying, like, up. I had buddies that opened for them, but they were opening at, like, Texas like, VFW like Mohegan, halls. Yeah, like yeah. the Hegan Casino or something. Yeah, like, they'll do the Wolf Den, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, like, but it's not a bad room. Wolf Den's a great room. Go yeah. play Wolf Den. And, like, they're they're a really fun live band. I've seen them twice, maybe three times. And, like, I've seen them once which is, is going to be my connection was a Y100 Fez with George Y100 was the uh, local alt rock station. Thank you. It was like, 
it was it was the best. It's it's what, it, one, be, what, it's okay. it became one hundred four point five, or is that like no, we just don't speak well, of that? Y one hundred became. I forget what it's called. It was a it was a hip hop station. Yeah, yeah like one hundred. I, I think it still is. It, it might have recently become something else, but for a long time it was a hip hop station. After and then one hundred four five came in because it was one of the early successes of the internet in like local Philly stuff, at least that I'm aware of. Was Y one hundred was like, oh no, we're gonna actually still pay these DJs and just go to the internet with it. So like they had like a whole internet channel that was Y one hundred after Y one hundred got changed. Yeah. So like yeah. that that kind of led them to be like oh maybe there still is a market for alt radio and that's when 140 104.5 came back, hmm. but it's it's not even close to the same. No. Like Y Y one hundred had the coolest lineups and so many awesome pairings that you could just see for free all the time. That is cool. It's like they, they brought bands like Midtown in too. So like it wasn't even like bands that were on the radio. It was. Bands like just below that, like you could actually go to a Wow 100 show and find something kind of cool. That is, I mean, like, yeah, you don't have that anymore. However, I will say that up where I live, I get Seton Hall's uh, college radio station. Oh, sure. <laughs> and it is just a bunch of metal dudes running that whole station. <laughs> so in the morning, I'll flip between NPR and like Dimu Borgir on normal radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty sick. <laughs> Never. Uh, yeah, it's it's up charged. to you now. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take take the the 100 Fizz connection and one of my favorite bands. Um, they became my favorite band that day when I realized that I had already loved them previously for years. Was the Violent Femmes, where they they played a set where it was like, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. And singing along to every one of them, and you're like, okay, this is all one band. And like from that day on, I was like. All right, I'm in on this band. Like, the, I I love the Violent Femmes so much, and one of my all-time favorite songs is "I Held Her in My Arms." So I'm adding "I Held Her in My Arms" by the Violent Femmes. It's a great tune. I have heard this version, but I am more familiar with the Alkaline Trio, Alkaline Trio version. Yeah, because I fucking loved Damnesia. Damnesia, like I don't. A I lot of people, but I love that song. I, I yeah, think they did such a good job with that one. I just thought, like, mostly because when I think of music. I, I try to put it in the time of play. It's like I just did with the Eve six thing. Like I try to like figure out where this song would go on TV or a movie or something. And there are so many great Alkaline Trio songs on Damnesia that are perfectly um, like made for TV Halloween movie music. Yeah. Yeah. I forget which song it is. I think it's track three. Um, but it, it, like it has this big reverb drum on it. It's like, boom, boom, bop, 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 bop. and it's got this like delay effect on the snare. And I'm like, and then a light piano comes in and it's just like, oh, you're zooming in on the main street as kids are trick or treating. And there's a murder about to happen. Like it's the perfect soundtrack. To that. It, yeah. It, it being Alcalandria too. It feels like they probably were going for that. Yeah. But on the violent femmes standpoint, um, I love the Violent Femmes. I always tell people this, and I get weird looks, but it's my podcast, so I get to say what I want. <laughs> uh, uh, if you listen to the Violent Femmes' first record, and listen through it, it's a great record. I thoroughly recommend it to anyone. Just listen to well, that first record. It's an all-timer. There is not a, a miss on that album. Yeah, there is not a single miss. However, if you listen to that song and think about it as the manifesto of a school shooter, <laughs> it is so much creepier yeah. and better. Yeah, I don't know how uh, to explain it, but if it's it's dark, it's bleak. When I tell people this at parties, they back away. But it's 
like you just add the theme into it. Like you force your own perspective into it, not your own, but like the one that you're forced. Uh, and, uh, and it just takes on a whole new life. Yeah. I, I kind of did that by accident to uh postal service give up where I gave it like a storyline that runs through the whole thing. And I'm like, well, these songs are just part of that now. Yep. <laughs> I did that. I wrote a whole movie to the terrible things solo album, uh, which is a great album as well. Uh, yeah. But, but I, before yeah, wrote, we move, wrote a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, before we move away from the, the Violent Femmes thing, they they are one of the few examples I can think of of a band that I loved in that kind of early 90s or like late 90s, mid 90s, whatever, that era of alt radio that came back in the last couple of years and has put out two incredibly good albums that like all still feel timely, but don't feel different from what they were ever doing. Like, it's like, uh, we can do anything is another one of those just like flawless albums where like it's a little like crisper than you'd expect from a regular Violent Femmes album, but it is perfect. Yeah. Um, the one thing that, not the one thing about the Violent Femmes that I think of, um, they appeared on the UPN hit. I, I'm pretty sure I, um, I may be mixing this up, but it was around the same time if it wasn't Shasta McNasty. Um, they, they were. They and absolutely that was were. the one where, where <laughs> one of the guys worked in like a recording studio or his, or his wife did or something. Is it Jake and, Busey? Is that Jake Busey? Yeah, that was Jake yeah. Busey. Then yeah, so, Gary that Busey? Yep. Yes. Of the, one, the, the one in the same. <laughs> the prodigious. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I remember them doing like a cover of Ring of Fire on there. Uh, that was really fun. Mm. They've been in a couple of things. I want to say they were in an episode of Teenage uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They were. They absolutely were. That's a great. That's a great clip too. They play "Good Feeling" and it's awesome. Also, yeah. "Good Feeling" is the uh, wedding song of uh, Marshall and Lily on "How I Met Your Mother." Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's that. nice. Look at it all this the sitcom information cute, coming in right? clutch. Yeah. Who? It's thought? like we have a guest that would know. Who'd have thought? Who'd so have yeah, thought? Sean, we're we're back to you. You're yes. coming off of "I Held Her in My Arms" by the Violent Femmes off the album yeah. "The Blind Leading the Naked." Yeah, uh, so this one, uh, the connection is that uh, I know this person is a big fan of the Violent Femmes, but also he covered them. There's a clip of him from uh, John Moe's uh, podcast or old radio show Wits that he used to do in that Minnesota. That show was so good. Wits was really good. And Open Mike Eagle was a guest on there. And there was like a, in between when they were off air, he was just kind of like hyping up the crowd and he did a cover of Blister in the Sun that was really fun. Um and I highly recommend everyone look at that. I need to go so, find that. I don't think I heard that one. That, that, yeah. That sounds like perfect It's really for good. <laughs> and John Moe was like digging it. I think Hannibal Barris was on and someone else, and you could tell they were just enjoying it. Um, so the artist is Open Mike Eagle, and the song is Ziggy Starfish, parentheses, anxiety rap. That is one, again, uh, I've, you know, here in here and there I've known Mike off and on for almost 10 years. And it's been crazy watching like all the success he's had. I mean, very much earned over the last couple of years. And uh, it's weird when like someone puts out music that like, you're like, Oh no, this is just for me. It's not, but you know, to, to be of like a certain age and still feel that way is such a rare thing. And pretty much everything open Mike does is very, you know, relatable because it's basically, you know, middle age oh not middle age i won't say that but it's grown up rap you know mm. where yeah, there, there is, is something like to the, it yeah we're like it's 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 the same problems that i have <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's yeah, somehow you know? adding like something poetic to the same exact things that i go through every day and it's kind of similar to like uh 
I feel like like the Bo Burnham just put out that special inside and it's like oh Damn why one watch it I, I have not watched it yet it's it's really good and I've never really cared about Bo Burnham one way or another uh and I won't watch the special again because it's just it gives me so much anxiety you don't need uh, to watch it again <laughs> no. um but it's almost it's the same thing like I feel like with like Mike Eagles rap where it's like why hasn't anyone done this before I'm like it's obvious it's easy it's so good but that's yeah, because like, people are not that talented it, it's it's like very special in that way that it's not afraid to go into things that would be normally mundane. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he, he knows that, that there's actually a purpose before he goes into it that like, you, you know, he's not just talking about like going and getting a drink of water, but like right. it is yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and again, it's just rare. Like I was talking to John Laurent yesterday about it. It's like rap, especially, I mean, music is a young man's, it's a young person's, art form you know like yeah. it just is and then hip-hop especially is a young person's art so when you get older and you still find that kind of music that really like speaks to you you hold on to it for dear life yeah. <laughs> that clutch, clutch it. it it is mine and can't be shared with anyone else <laughs> except on this podcast so I, I regret even letting you do it here <laughs> <laughs> yep. it's all bad all right, so George, you're up. Yes. All right. Well, I am going to go with a different mic. I'm going to go on a um a, a, a open mic, but like mic like the name. Um and I'm going to do uh Yankee and the Brave by Run the Jewels. Oh, very nice. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Very good. That's what I'm going to do yeah. cuz I really like that record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that again, that's another one where it's like, huh why didn't anyone just do this before? Why didn't anyone think to pair these guys up until they did? And it's like, Oh no, because someone had to think of that first and then they did it. Like yeah. it was just seems um, like so obvious. Now I reached out to my friend who gets mad at me when I use his real name. So we will use his stage name. N M E the illest. So when that record came out, I reached out to my friend who I'm not allowed to use his real name, even though I do all the time, but his name is N M E the illest. Uh, it's his rap name. He's uh, uh, I guess uh, he, he will tour with, demigods with like apathy oh yeah and self-titled and those dudes, yeah, yeah and then those dudes um so it's very fun for me to like go see him at like voltage <laughs> and it's just like me very out of place while all these other dudes are around just like fawning over self-titled and him yeah. <laughs> and apathy i'm just like hey hey bleep nme the illest uh, <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna head out <laughs> um, you guys got any hard ciders here yeah it's just it's it's pretty strong in here like he's this old hardcore straight edge dude so yeah. he's not like doing anything yeah. crazy backstage but it's yeah. just me and him like chatting about how we he would drive me to band practice because none of our parents were home to drive us to band practice so we'd load all our equipment into his ford probe and haul ass ah, the back roads. Had a my college roommate had a probe it was and legendary then, and that, his was legendary too. He was called No Problemo. We named our first Beautiful. EP out of it because he would drive us to band practice. And then as we're driving like 80 down these back roads, he'd be like, see that? And point at the speedometer that's still on zero. And he was like, that don't work. And then he would, and then he would pull the e-brake and that wouldn't work. <laughs> and then he would just remove the key out of it and throw it in the back seat and go, no problemo, boys. <laughs> Look at all the danger um, we're in. 
Yeah, yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that is, yeah, that's almost exactly the but, same stories as I have driving around in a probe. <laughs> the probes are indestructible to a point where his probe broke down maybe like our sophomore year of high school. And then by senior year of high school, we would give people directions by saying like, you need to take the left after Dan's probe. Because it would just <laughs> stay there. <laughs> it never moved. <laughs> the reason why I mentioned enemy uh, is because uh, I reached out to him when uh, RTJ4 came out, and that was like my first big exposure to him. I listened to like songs beforehand, but I never like sat down with the album and listened all the way through. And I would watch like live videos of them performing at some big festival, you know, mm-hmm. like Bonnaroo or something. And uh, hey, that's the dog out for a second. Uh, and like, just said, like, I don't understand it. LP is such a good showman. Like yes. I, I do not like. I am floored by this man's energy as he's just yes. bounce, like he's commanding a whole stage, and he's not you know doing backflips or anything. He's just no. like commanding the whole stage. So I, I mean, saw... that, that's that other uh, unspoken connection too with LP and Open Mike Eagle with yeah. the current podcast that mm-hmm. he's doing with them. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so Open Mike has a podcast called What Had Happened Was, and this past season that just wrapped up was with LP where he just walks through every single episode was a different part of his career from company flow to definitive jokes to obviously run the jewels and all the solo stuff. And he did one and it's really good. Um, obviously, but, uh, and then he did one the year earlier with Prince Paul who produced, you know, De La Soul and, uh, Beastie Boys and all this other stuff. And Chris um, Rock. Chris Rock. Yeah. 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 Prince Paul won a Grammy for producing Chris Rock. Yeah, um, that's so cool. For producing, uh, yeah, his album. Um, but what you were saying about LP being such a good showman, uh, he's always been that way. I saw him in 2002, I want to say. It was the Revenge of the Robots tour, and it was all like the Deaf Jokes guys, and uh, and him and this guy, Mr. Liff, who actually used to live in Fishtown. Oh, he's so still. good. Those two together, it was like watching Run DMC, like in their prime, you know yeah. what I mean? And I could listen could tell- to like just the jazz of a Mr. Liff album, like yeah. you could take out all the other elements and like, it is just like the easiest thing to ever listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems like I'm... LP gravitates towards that, like run DMC style too. Just oh, to, for like, sure. run for the sure. I remember that. I think I remember saying like, there are biggest inferences, which is why it's just two dudes and DJ. Yes. And like, that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and again, like, even if you listen to his like first album, his first solo album, uh, fantastic damage, it's 100% like, at 19, like mid eighties, like B-boy, like when he grew up getting into hip hop and he was probably like 12, 13, his influences were like Slick Rick and Run DMC and all this other stuff. But he was just really into like science fiction and like Philip K. Dick and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that's, that was his references. So there's his influence and then his references. And then you get Killer Mike in there. He's just been phenomenal. Yeah, fucking prolific. Yeah, but, I, uh, I am a such a Killer Mike fan. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. the one that I know I'm not supposed to like. Like he's obviously an amazing performer. And yeah. I knew that going in. Yeah. I was surprised that LP could like hold his own next to it, next to him. I think that's yeah. what I mean by that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, I yeah. get that. Yeah. Cause because Killer Mike has such a bigger personality too, and he's mm-hmm. more, you know, out there. You know, yeah. you see him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I also remember there's some interview with them two talking where it was like they were hanging out in the street outside of a venue, and then like some like 
eight or nine year old kid like trips over them and then turns around and like does the hand signal to them and they're like we can quit yeah. <laughs> that rules that, that's their version of like the mean joe green commercial yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's awesome. uh, all right dan so uh you'd go all right also I... keep talking so i can let the dog out <laughs> all right well i i'm gonna pick another one here that isn't gonna have a stray too far like it's actually a hard choice to make because i i have a number of really good songs that i could choose here but i'm gonna go with the whole world by outcast very nice damn it <laughs> i had like I, an outcast thought a while uh -huh. back that i was gonna try to make a connection oh i figured well, it out I, I was i was hesitant to talk about my my dungeon family love when they came up first because i knew this is the direction i was gonna take it <laughs> and now I forget all the thoughts I was putting out of my head. But yeah, I mean, Dungeon Family is like what got me into rap and hip hop and like seeing that there's more to that genre and to that world than what I was being presented. So like mm -hmm. going, going deeper by way of Dungeon Family music is really what kind of got me there. Dude, um, I always say that um, organized noise they're the production arm of the Dungeon Family, and mm -hmm. that kind of involves Andre and Big Boy a bit. And, you know, it's just like the catch-all. Dungeon Family is obviously the overarching thing. But Organized Noise, um, they produce waterfalls uh, for yeah. TLC. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Man, I should have used that as my next one. I'm not going to. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Too late. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a great documentary on Organized Noise. Um and uh, I don't know what it was on or still, that's from like 2013 or so. And you realize like what a force they were. And again, there was nothing, again, kind of like, like LP when he was doing what he did as a solo act and with Run the Jewels, there was nothing that ever sounded like organized noise stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know? Sleepy Brown is one of those people yes. where like, yeah, his album isn't that great, but I feel like if he had an album of actually like, decently written songs he would be the biggest person in the entire world yeah like he has yeah. such a, a swagger and such a cool voice that like i don't understand like this has to be by choice like there's no way that he's not more famous by accident like yeah and it's and it's weird because um you know farnsworth bentley or farnsworth bentley was the one that they tried to make like kind of spin off as like their guy at the time and i, I remember that, that dude but he was like i remember that dude. dude he was like an yeah. andre dude and then kanye kind of took him on from what i remember but i'm it pretty was, sure farnsworth uh, came up it with was that uh, what's it called uh puff daddy what's that uh, what, uh he hired farnsworth as his like uh, valet on okay. making the band or something oh, like okay. that and like that's what put him out to like the whole world gotcha. knew his name after that yeah is the it bad that world. i don't know anything about making the band but i just know the Chappelle show sketch no that's that's <laughs> like i feel like that's like uh that's like what you need to know of making yeah that's the all band. you're you supposed know? to know yeah. about Dylan, making Dylan, the Dylan. band um i gotta shut down the studio because mm -hmm. dylan didn't bring me a sugar cookie from brooklyn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, that's a, that's another thing. That's why, you know, Chappelle show was so brilliant because it's like, oh, why didn't anyone else come up with this? Like, why didn't anyone else do this? It's like, no, because Chappelle had to be the one to do it, you know, mm -hmm. those writers. Yeah, oh, I, just, I just watched a, a little mini marathon of it the other day. And the episode where he's kind of going through all the Oscar tropes and he's like the soldier dying on the battlefield. And it's, it's all those that like kind of get forgotten amongst like the Rick Jameses where you're like, Oh, this show was so good. 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just watching like Chappelle on, I think Fallon talking about Chappelle show and how, like when Kanye was on the show with, I think common common. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And there's a, there's a part where it was behind the scenes. It was like, Hey, we just rap, but like, do you want to come watch these sketches? No one's ever seen them before. And he was like, this is how I knew that Kanye was going to be the biggest star in the world because his phone rings halfway through watching sketches and goes, Hey, Nah, I can't. I'm watching sketches that no one's ever seen before with Dave Chappelle in common. <laughs> There's a log pause that goes, because my life is baller and I do baller shit. And then he shanks <laughs> up the phone. <laughs> oh, man. I, I wish Kanye never oh. changed. And I, oh, I, no. love, I love the Kanye that is Kanye, like the Kanye-ness of Kanye, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like Kanye in the beginning was funny and aware of it. In yeah. a way that was like, I'm happy that someone like this gets to be this famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was supposed to be, and he was. I mean, he bridged that gap between obviously, you know, took Jay-Z, put him on tracks with most F. Um yeah. and uh and and you know, he he Kanye, Kanye sacrificed him himself for our sins, I guess. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. meant to be. Like yeah. we weren't we weren't supposed to have you know, guys like Talib Kweli coming up to that level. And, you know, you know, it's all the stuff that like backpacker nerd uh, rap fans, not backpacker nerd rappers, but backpacker nerd rap fans like me wanted. We said we wanted it and then we got it and we loved it. And then Kanye went fucking insane. And we're like, oh, no, did we do this? Yeah, did this <laughs> did we break up? We, we, oh, no. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the whole like, I, I like to think about it as like when you, you watch a football game and they're like, here's the Andy Reid coaching tree. Like, you look at all the people who are famous because of Kanye in so many different directions, like, be it like some comedians, some yeah. like yeah. performers in movies, and then yeah. also all like Lupe and uh-huh. like, Shine. I mean, it just, like it, yeah, it just goes all the way down. You get to I mean, you can say the same thing about like all these Chicago rappers now. Like I mean, even Chance Common. And Common. Common. Com- Common was, seems like somebody who. Common would not be the voice of every single commercial if not for Kanye. Yeah, I he mean, was a he, talent in his own right. He had like like water for chocolate kind of. Yep. Everyone's like, okay, this guy's great. Yeah. But he like, wasn't was not until B and Kanye that was like, oh no, we actually like this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. So um, right before B, Com- Common dropped Electric Circus. And Which I, I love like, people don't like it. That was like shit on at the time. I haven't gone back to listen to it, but it's because it was different. And this was pre Kanye. Uh, he might've had something to do with it, but um, it wasn't what common had always done. And that's like, you know, kiss of death yeah, for it was, artist. It's like, Oh, you're, you're trying to, to, uh, you know, expand. it was like, oh, yeah, no. it was like ballad rap, which is like uh-huh. a genre that doesn't really exist. It's kind of, kind of cool. <laughs> Common was dating Erica Badu at the time. So there was also that. So yeah, a lot true. of people blamed the, the Badu curse. Ugh. Yeah. Which stop I, blaming I women for I'm musicians. Badu. That's what I mean. It's like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, you think, you think that like he, he just, yeah, yeah, it's so stupid. Which it is, is also, however, I, Courtney Love did it anyway. <laughs> uh, I mean, you look at where where Common ended up, and you're like, okay, so this was clearly his choice. Like yeah. out there pre- preaching love and peace and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, this yeah, was clearly he, what he, he was, was about. He he he's you know a later version of like the black hippies from like the from the uh, late '80s, early '90s, from like the the Jungle Brothers type movement. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, so what is your actual next pick? <laughs> That's where I'm going with this. That was a lovely tangent. I really yeah. enjoyed that. So we, we, um, we touched on a number of people that you could pick next that are all, yes. all viable options. They all, and they actually, all this kind of wraps up a lot of them because we were talking about the Dungeon family and all that. And uh, and obviously, I mentioned De La Soul. De La Soul, part of that, you know, yeah. uh, Soulquarian, not Soulquarian, but, you know, that movement. One of the most screwed over bands in the history of music. So I'm going with Held Down. Uh, featuring CeeLo Green from the Dungeon Family. And that is from AOI Bionics, which was De La Soul's last album on Tommy Boy, uh, because then it became defunct. And De La Soul, to this day, a lot of their stuff, all their Tommy Boy stuff is not available anywhere. Uh, That's what I was going to say. I was like, are which, we sure? We, are we, <laughs> I will is say, it on Spotify? Let's, no. Oh, yeah, let's, shit. I just realized that. Yeah. Let's find something off saying, of the, uh, what was it? No. Anonymous nobody? <laughs> let's... Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, well, in that case, you know what? We're, we'll stick. Um, since, hmm, damn, I don't know how I can work this. Uh, well, oh, they, they do have they, something on here more recent than Anonymous Do the nobody, band that but... I always confuse De La Soul with because the three syllable thing, just put a Yo La Tango song in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Interchangeable. No, They're so uh, the same. <laughs> let's go with um, De La Soul's. Uh, uh, Rock Cocaine Flow featuring MF Doom. There you go. That is absolutely on Spotify. RIP Doom. For sure yes. on that. Yeah. And do you know who executive produced that album? Uh, the I don't. Date? That would be Matthew Knowles, uh, Beyonce's father. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was another kind of thing, like like the Kanye moment when De La had uh, this producer, Jake One, produced that song, Rock Cocaine Flow, uh, because he had worked with MF Doom for a long time. And... That was another kind of melding of the world with De La Soul, kind of working with more current rappers and producers. Obviously, MF Doom is one of their peers. He's from, uh, uh, why can't I think of it? KMD, uh, back in the day when he was oh, at yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it kind of modernized uh, De La Soul for a lot of people. Hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, it does frustrate me a lot uh, that none of the early stuff is on Spotify. It's just like crazy now. A lot... A lot of it did have to do, and Prince Paul explains this on the Mike Eagle podcast. It was really nice clear. to actually have the story. Yeah, you couldn't clear samples. Like they didn't yeah. they didn't think about it. And a lot of the stuff, you know, they just tanked on like their first album on Three Feet High and Rising. Cause once, you know, I think the samples thing had already been settled in courts by that point, but they were already making the album and they're like, okay, we'll just put this out. And then they're like, So all that money you made, you didn't actually make. This is going to all the people who's who owns the uh, who owns the masters of everything you sampled? Mm. Yeah, some somebody just got it completely wrong. Like the it was basically that, everything was so new that like they just didn't get it right, and it's so disappointing. And also, like th when they tried to do more, Tommy Boy basically just like shut them down and was like, "No, we own all of your stuff." Like they yeah. refused, even when Tommy Boy became not a thing anymore, they yeah. refused to give the rights back. Yeah, I just saw something where, you know, they're like, maybe now it's coming out because another company is like buying or someone's like trying to buy the masters from whatever entity now owns them. But it's dumb. It's all very dumb. Yeah. And like, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen done. And one of my biggest regrets is they they had a window before anonymous nobody came out where you could download literally everything they ever put out officially they're like they had worked it out that like if you get it now in this like three week span you can just have all of it oh wow 
and like yeah. it was on their website and you could get all of it. And it was like, not just albums. It was like literally everything that they've ever made that had their name on it, that they could offer. And I regret not doing it. I was like, I'll just get my hard drive and then just put it off and put it off and put it off. Mm-hmm. And then anonymous, nobody came out and I was like, fuck, I missed it. It's like that time when Mr. T was at the mall and you just kept saying, I'll, I'll, I'll go a little later. I'll go a little later. And then you got there and you said, um, you asked the security guard, is De La Soul still here? And he said, no. And he said, is he coming? Are they coming back? And he said, I don't know. Yeah. It's almost yeah. exactly like that. Mm-hmm. All right, George, before you make your pick, we're going to go to break. If Elvis and Buddy Holly are the Cain and Abel of rock and roll, Bruce Springsteen and Zachariah, Iggy Pop is Methuselah. Of course, Neil Young is the wise prophet Ezekiel. What does that make Get in the Garage? Well, I think that makes Get in the Garage the one-stop shop for all know-how, history, countdowns, disagreements, agreements, and pretty much everything that you want you, you want to hear about music. Get in the Garage. Get in the Garage. A music program from the Wasted Robot Network. I was just learning to love. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're going to roll into our, our next pick. Sean left us off with Rock Cocaine Flow featuring MF Doom by De La Soul off the album The Grind Date. Right so on. where are you going, George? So uh, what made me think of this was all the talk of De La Soul just sampling a bunch of shit and then having to s- just throw all their money away because they sampled too much shit. There's a great podcast. I don't mean to promote other podcasts that aren't on this network, but... I'll censor it. <laughs> Big fan of the podcast No Dogs in Space, which is oh, sure. originally yeah. a history. I've never listened to it, but I've heard great stories that have come from it. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, it was originally like a punk history. Their second season is, I guess, being recorded in the next couple months, and it's going to be all alt music. So they're starting with like the Velvet Underground. But to bridge those two gaps, they did a six-part series on the Beastie Boys. And one okay. of the best episodes is when they dive into Paul's boutique and yeah. how at the very end of that recording process, no one listened to Paul's boutique. No one was really into it. Uh, and they wound up shelling out $250,000 to pay for samples. Yeah. That's, a, that's, the, that's the price of yeah. the house that I'm in. Yeah, three, yeah. three feet high and Paul's yeah. Boutique both came out in 89, which is like right when all of that stuff hit where they were like finally yeah. starting to recognize hip hop as a viable genre and saw that like they were actually making money. So people started coming after them for the money mm-hmm. that they were making. Yeah. 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 And I think from, I don't know if I'm correct. I'm sure that they say that in that on the podcast, but I always thought or heard that Paul's Boutique was like a reference to Prince Paul. Uh, just as like an influence in something that they knew they thought it was that but but then uh, on that podcast they break it down that they they have an original radio commercial that they heard while they were recording for a jamaican boutique called paul's boutique oh wow (laughs) so it's just a real place it's just a real place because that's even better 
that's the whole thing with this podcast that I love about it, especially for the Beastie Boys series, is that every single thing the Beastie Boys did was just a fucking inside joke for the three yeah. of them. That's, <laughs> that's like everything right. they did. Like, they just rapped about literally like what they saw in front of them, you know? Yeah. They, they just did they, that. They and rapped, like, and just they did shit the weave. Funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They oh, did the man. weave on stage and everyone was like, they must be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were. Yeah. I, mean, I, I do love the Beastie Boys. Like mm-hmm. people are like, they're not hip hop. And like, I don't no, they need are, them they to are, be. They are the most, you know, authentic, you know, especially for the time when, you know, there's a great movie, Crush Groove, that's about. Um, <laughs> I love Crush Groove. And Beastie Boys are in it. And, yeah. you know, it's the story of Def Jam. And uh, it's a story of Def Jam, but told by none of the people that are in Def Jam to just recast yeah, them because you can't put Rick Rubin in front of a camera. When well, that's the thing, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, like, it's like, why didn't you just put Rick Rubin in here, put Blair Underwood's in it? Um, I remember uh, all those commercials for. Uh, was it 444? It was, it was, it was a Jay-Z album okay. that was, was uh, heavily being worked on by Rick Rubin, had a lot of uh, commercials, which was just a weird thing in general, but mm-hmm. they just keep showing Jay-Z and Rick Rubin hanging out and like, it's all black and white and sleek. And you're like, there's no way these this is what that hang is. There's no, no way. Yeah, I do remember that. And I, and I also feel like his Run the Jewels uh, uh, posted a picture of them with Rick Rubin, maybe like within the last year or so. And it's like, anytime I see people pictured with Rick Rubin, I'm just like, you know, I know obviously what he's done. He's a genius, but it's like, part of me is like, run, run. He's not wearing shoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but oh, yeah, so George, whole, make, make your pick and then we'll keep talking. <laughs> this whole thing with Beastie Boys. Also, uh, Sean, if you can, uh, or, or, or Silas, if you can find a way to pay us more, um, yeah, we'll ad go. rock. Ad Rock and Kathleen Hanna are selling their beach house and can are their lake house in in New Jersey, and I would like to purchase it, please. It's under a million dollars. Under a million? So that's yeah, not even like that's pretty cool. That's maybe it's like, like just a nine, few Paul's boutique of samples. It's like yeah. a nine fifteen lake okay. house. It's where they filmed most of the Talking Head spots for the Punk Singer documentary. So okay. it's, oh, it's cool. a bit of history, and it's yeah, Ad about, Rock's house. And yeah, I that's about three and a half Paul's boutique. So yeah, that's fine. It's three and a half Paul's boutique. <laughs> that's that's like, not that's bad like at all. Doing a wasted robot math. That is like two of my ad breaks on Talking Set. That's roughly. fine. Yeah. yeah. So if you just yeah, you know like I'll take yeah. two ad breaks and I'll just kick them down down your way and yeah. uh, we could create Perfect. like a, a a incubation a podcast incubation center at Ad Rock and Kathleen Hanna's old lake house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, I am going to do the song that uh, re- revolutionized the cowbell, brought it back from uh, Blue Oyster Cult. We're going to do Hey Ladies. Excellent. That is a really good pick. It's a good uh, pick. I only wish Dan like... was paying attention to know about it. <laughs> Get funky. Um, I've been listening. <laughs> uh, no, I love I love that era of Beastie Boys. And I used to think like, you know, once they became a bit more political, that they kind of distanced themselves from the early stuff. Mm. And or they didn't distance themselves, but they tried to say like this was like tongue in cheek. We yeah, were, when, you know, when Sound of like, Science no, came out were, and like none kids. of the fun stuff was on you it. Were, <laughs> but you were kids, like you know, like no one yeah. expected you guys. You were teenagers at the time. Here's, like, like here's what were, I realized because of that punk podcast. Rock band. Yeah, <laughs> they're a hardcore punk band. Yeah. Um, here's what I realized about like that podcast and stuff, and they kind of explain it in this way, but it really helped me understand like License to Ill and Paul's Boutique and like up up until about. I don't know. Uh, you can tell like when the change comes over is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But if you just picture them and imagine them as a heel, as if it's wrestling, yeah, they're fantastic. They are, yeah. If and you listen to a Fight for Your Right to Party and think it's just like a jock rock anthem, no, mm-hmm. you're not. You're not getting it. <laughs> but if you know that they're playing the heel to Madonna, who is their mm-hmm. first tour, like how do you release mm-hmm. one record and then go on tour with Madonna? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> And if anyone knows about wrestling, it would be Rick Rubin. Exactly. Uh, that's definitely done for sure. Wrestling fan. Yeah. That's, that's always... d- done on purpose. The only the time you see Rick like... Rubin is in like grainy black and white ads for albums and have like WrestleMania in the front row. Yeah. And, it's always like, <laughs> and it's always like the same people. It's like him, one of the guys from ZZ Top, and Fred Durst. <laughs> it's just incremental crew. beards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Fred Durst. Sorry, little girl. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> We're definitely in a zone now with early Beastie Boys and Fred Durst. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I still think Beastie Boys might be one of, like, easily top five best shows I've ever seen. And, like, yeah. it was just the Beastie Boys. Who was like, I talking it, to? Was it you? Dan, it might have been. I, we were talking about, about how much we love the Beastie Boys live because I'd never seen them live. But someone was talking about how like you could watch them just throw the mic to each other, like they were just so tight oh, that they, they were, were just like perfectly yeah. choreographed. Yeah. They used to do the weave, like the Globe Trotters weave, mm-hmm. yeah, just like passing the mic and also hitting their verses in time with the weave, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. That incredible. that's that's incredible. That's so much practice. <laughs> like you don't you can't just do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, also, too, like, they came up from that era where, like, every rap act was a choreographed, like, dance troupe kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. see in Crush Groove, everyone had, like, a, a routine for their for their raps. Like, like think about, like, Rock the Bells, the, the show that you and I both went to, that mm-hmm. where, like, you see Chuck D, one of the most, like, physically imposing people you will ever see dancing during Public mm-hmm. Enemy songs, and you're like... There, there's a lot going on here. Like yeah. And like, it didn't feel like it didn't fit either. Like it's just no. of that era. Yeah. Yeah. You put on a whole show. Crazy. And you see that in the people like Mike Eagle and LP who came up yeah. on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And look, a lot at of, us, look at us making like an actual like through line playlist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I not mean, just George throwing out random shit in the middle of it. Like, you know what? Yeah. This needs twisted sister. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the Beastie Boys also were so good at kind of bringing in the other elements of media also. We're like, they knew how to promote themselves in a way that would get people to pay attention. And yep. they also were at the forefront of like making videos that were oh, actually yeah. fun to watch. Not just like, here's the band performing and a sad lady. Like they actually like put plot into this, into these things and like, played characters and did all these weird things and like like even through um the last album that they did and they had like the the toy video and like it was all of these very strange concepts and like they they carried them through and it all made sense because it was the beastie boys yeah they're like that's it could it could be serious it could be silly it could be anything because the beastie boys could be anything it's the kind of reputation that I both strive for and hate when it happens when you just get away with shit because of who you are. Yeah. Like if I say yeah. something outlandishly sarcastic that if anyone else would say, it'd like get the shit kicked out of them. But then mm-hmm. like someone at work will vouch for me and be like, Oh no, it's just George. 
Like yeah. we don't yeah. we don't hate George because George just said some dumb shit. <laughs> like uh like I said something to my boss and he was like getting mad at me because I was like just I had an answer for everything. And then finally my other manager came in and was like, What are you doing? Don't get mad at George because he's quick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a conversation frequently that uh, people might not ever know that I'm joking. <laughs> that, that's so much of my jokes are like me as a character, as if like, wouldn't it be funny if somebody said that and meant it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a very thin line between that and saying it and meaning it. <laughs> yeah um all right well dan so hold on what song did you actually i said hey ladies you said funky yeah and and he said he was listening yeah he wasn't i forgot i just just added it it was not added to the list i'll do your job for (laughs) you you added your last one yeah but then you made it big screen when you shared the screen which threw me off so i was waiting for you to do it fair (laughs) still cut all of this stuff out it's still your fault so i'm (laughs) i'm gonna take it to a uh Kind of a, I, I, I'm going to follow an MCA route here and do the, the free Tibet movement connection. And, okay. and I'm going to take it and I'm going to give me Did a Did Richard second. Gere come out with an album? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he did the whole uh, soundtrack to Runaway Bride. It was bad. <laughs> Nobody enjoyed it. And then he went on tour with the Boston Orchestra. I, so, uh, uh, that's i mean they're different actors but my mom uh she she lives near what's called the uh the smoky mountain performing arts center mm-hmm. and uh every once in a while celebrities that pretend that they're musicians play the smoky martin oh. Center. and it was just like hey we have tickets to go see kevin costner play music tonight beautiful <laughs> oh, no and then like before the thing they were like hey mr costner just wants you to know that like he's here as a musician he's not here as an artist he wants to like present his music for you meanwhile they drop like i th- my mom was like i thought they were joking because they said that over the speaker and then they pull down these uh like these uh projection screens and they're just playing like quick flashes of his movies and then he <laughs> appears from the back of the room and it's like oh my god it's kevin god uh, yes. you're in water world <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were coming from here but now you're back here what an oh, artist you're my hero kevin costner <laughs> <laughs> my god uh, so- that being said david david duke music Solid dad rock. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Yes, it's good. So I, I I found the song that I want to use, but before we move fully away from the Beastie Boys, I I do want to mention the one part that that I was forgetting about. But when Adam Yauch died, in his will, he said that Beastie Boys music could not be used in commercials, and for a guy who had maybe the most punk rock career of somebody not in a punk rock band. That is an awesome punk rock move to go that out is. with that. Like, yeah, that is anyway. that is that is falling back into the grave with middle fingers and then yeah. crossing your arms and the lid closes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the the connection I'm gonna make though is the the free Tibet movement that that MCA was a big proponent of. He, he <laughs> kind of credited that with kind of getting him out of that party boy mindset and being like, oh no, I need to actually use this platform that I have. For good, and yeah. I, I think it led to a lot of good. What, what yeah, he was able to do, absolutely. He freed Tibet with, uh, <laughs> with a purchase yeah, of a more expensive Tibet. <laughs> yeah. 
like, yeah, he started kind of, he made oscilloscope and he started doing all those, putting out documentaries about it and like kind of bringing it to the forefront of people's minds, which does go a long way. And I'm going to take that, that connection though, the free Tibet connection. And I'm going to go with, with the tour that unfortunately never happened because me at the time would have been the most thrilled. I'm going to go rage against the machine and I'm going to go off of, uh, renegades to, to kind of keep it a little bit on the lighter side but not really because i'm going the ghost of tom joe you just like it because it looks like the the love sign yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Re- renegades is another one that that, that whole album kind of got me into a lot more than i would have before like i i never would have listened to kind of springsteen that way which mm-hmm. is the kind of the, the, the connection here and like street fighting man with the rolling stones like i I don't think I ever would have thought of them as those kind of bands if Rage Against the Machine didn't present them to me as like, oh no, these all kind of qualify. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, my fondest memory of, I think this album, right? When did this album come out? Uh, I want to say 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. Yeah, so we, Luke, uh, 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 2000. Racer Robot, uh, podcast member Luke Roberge of Get in the Garage. Obviously, we've talked about this before. We used to play in bands together. Um, I have a distinct memory of him either playing this record or just playing like Battle of Los Angeles or something. Uh, and uh, we had like PA speakers for our practice space. And that's how we would test the PA speakers to like scare everyone in suburbia is we were just like as loud as we like you, you peep, neighbors knew it was coming because you'd hear the click, 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 click through the PA speaker <laughs> at the loudest <laughs> fucking volume. <laughs> and we would just like fucking rage while setting up drums and stuff while this yeah. was playing. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's rage against the shoot always makes me think about Luke. A lot of things make me think about Luke, but rage against the machine is one of those trigger <laughs> i was yeah. such a big fan of rage against the machine and like they're not even in that genre like that genre is not one that i typically go to and like at the time there was the kind of that push in in pop culture with like the limp biscuits and the corns and everything like that kind of pushing it that way that they kind of benefit from but like they're they're not that they're definitely much more aggressive no, much more much more actually hip-hop and they're legitimate. I mean, like Zach De La Roca is a rapper, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's on. He's on RTJ Four. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. So yeah. LP. Um, I'm sure the story's out there in the ether, but this is something like the nerdy internet hit rap bands that I was still am knew about, in, like the early 2000s. Zach De La Roca had a solo album that was just going to be a rap album after Rage broke up. Yeah. That was going to be entirely produced by LP, and it just never saw the light of day. And it's one of those like mysterious like Ark of the Covenant type things where it's like yeah because oh, like this leak tracks this would pop out mm-hmm. like it, it and, wasn't like it didn't exist it just wasn't and, coming out and every time he would like pop up and do like a guest appearance on someone's song you'd think oh does this mean they're gonna put out the album yeah uh, they're finally but, making moves yeah yeah they don't I don't think it'll ever see the light of that I think they've talked about it recently and I think they're just gonna do one maybe it's gonna uh, wind do, up do being like, like a Dr. Dre and pretend like this is the one that you had the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gonna wind up being like those like Iggy Pop and the Stooges live records that like they find the reel to reel that just happened to be recording <laughs> yeah. in the uh-huh. background in some dude's basement that was at like Swan <laughs> yeah. Lake or whatever the fuck the venue yeah, was. Like, that, it's gonna like be like one of those, and then it just comes <laughs> out, and then it just comes out twenty years too late for exactly. like a record store day. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, 
so in like the rap circle, people kind of like the, with the Beastie Boys, it was always like, oh, is Zach De La Roca really an MC or whatever? It's like, no, he is. Like, he knows more about hip hop than than you do. Shut up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like, uh, I, I, I definitely mock it fairly frequently. The fact that like every Rage album has that oh these songs God. were made with real guitars or whatever. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Not, we're not, we don't have a DJ, and, but like, and there's stuff too with like saying, Tom Morello being like, you know, Tom Morello is super awesome and does a genius. better shit than I could ever do. Yeah. Uh, but there's something, you know, a little, not, I don't want to say hokey. There's uh, a, but, a Harvard know. arrogance about him, maybe. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I had a joke that was like, and it would get like nothing, but it, it would be like, is it deserves it, but it'd be like, you either die a hero or live long enough to be in a Tom Morello side project. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, dude, we get it. You're bored. Rage isn't around anymore, but stop. Yeah. I, I liked Night Watchmen. I wish somebody else got to sing the Night Watchmen songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, but yeah. No, yeah. I was, uh, so Dan, you saw Rage too then, right? At Rock the yep, Bells. That same Rock the Bells. Yep. Yeah. That was a really that good was performance. Awesome. That I like, was accidentally throughout for. the day, I worked my way to the front. Like I hadn't same. planned on it. It wasn't what I was trying to do. I, I, oh, I, I did. Was, I was already I at that age it. where I like liked being back and watching the crowd as like part of hold the experience. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. This was 2007. Yeah, I, I grew up fast. <laughs> and I was older than you are then yeah. and now. And I, I, I was like, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge pit guy. Like I, 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 I was, I, I, I was coming out of it then, and especially for an all day festival too. Like no. by the time I got to Wu Tang, I was amazed that I was still up there. And I, I was, yeah, best I was thing that dumb. ever happened to me. I'm glad I did it, but <laughs> like. Did I, Dan, did I tell you about my new neighbor, by the way, speaking no. of this? Uh, I have a new neighbor. They've spent like way too much money renovating the house that they moved into. It's got like copper uh, rain gutters, which are like $40,000 to put in. Luckily, my oh. girlfriend's a realtor, so she can tell me like, yeah, it's expensive. Mm. Um, <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but they, uh, they they put a sign up because all around their house are a bunch of like, like I just saw a new one the other day where it's Trump 2024. I have a ton cool. of like Trump Trump folks around my house, cool. um, and like they 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 planned ahead and like bought this early. <laughs> they, uh, they, they knew they knew, but they yeah. were like, "Don't worry." Uh, so we'll get them next time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's like they're in between two houses. One's super religious house that when you look like when we're walking the dog, you can see in their window sort of, and in their window is just like an Italian fresco of Jesus. Oh. Uh, and then the house Beautiful. on the other side is a big like Trump house, and then right in the middle, it's their sign that's in the sh- like in their garden that says "Presidents are temporary, but Wu Tang is forever." Oh my god! <laughs> and it Beautiful. just looks like a little political sign on the front yard. Yeah, yeah, I've the, seen them. I've seen those signs a lot. Uh, yeah, where I live. it's just it's I've such a great thing to just see them as a fuck life. you to my neighbors. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like we have a flag outside that's like "Together We Rise," and it has a bunch of fists and stuff. Yeah. And every once in a while, neighbors will see it and be like thank you for putting up that sign because there's so many fucking neighbors with like the second amendment you right defends the first amendment right yeah. oh my god yeah yeah, yeah the, the end of my wu-tang story is method man instead of crowd surfing just walked on the crowd like nice. uh like wayne coin from uh flaming lips yeah but not in a bubble but not in a bubble <laughs> yeah just straight <laughs> yeah. up walked on the crowd forgot I, the bubble that day yeah. i held method it's man's foot the as lips. he walked on people i was just holding <laughs> yeah. method man above my head while he stood vertical and i don't know if you've seen method man he's like six five yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, if, if you told me method man was an athlete 
I wouldn't know which sport, but I'd know he'd be one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like a linebacker. Yeah, um, he, he will win every every battle for every ball. Well, that's, every I'm going okay. okay. to make a slightly off-color yeah. joke here uh, just because uh, like we can cut it later. But you could say that he looks like – he'd be. I don't know what sport it is, but he's an athlete. It's probably not hockey or curling. <laughs> Like predominantly white sports. <laughs> yeah. Although I would say Method Man has the build to uh, push that stone. I feel he like would I push that stone so I, good. I bet Method Man can sweep with the best of them. I would say he's also a pretty good sweeper. Uh, he badminton. Moves, he, mm, there you go. He could not be badminton. Uh, he'd, he'd be a little too powerful for it, I think. Yeah. It may, um, may not have the reflexes left from uh, just all the how high. Burning shuttlecocks through the like, fucking exactly. thing. Exactly. It singes into the Wu-Tang Oh, logo. man, I just watched the Red Man sketch on, on Dave Chappelle where he's on the, the jet ski in the toilet. Yes, yes. <laughs> nobody, Again, nobody, nobody in the world is funnier than Red Man, and he doesn't do it enough. No, yeah, I was just going to say, Red Man being part of like the, the, the zeitgeist uh, is, is an amazing thing. Also, Red Man coming out during the Wu-Tang set was one of the coolest things I've ever seen on that level of like you you know that they've worked on this uh, mm-hmm. like of the beastie boys where you just get to see method man and red man do meth and red songs and like yeah. it had been forever since they did it and they did not miss a beat they were locked in with each other it was so cool mm-hmm. that's the thing like actually like i know we keep on bringing it back up again but like the lp thing or like beastie boys just being so well choreographed and like knowing how to command a stage with like punk rock and, and and bands, I feel like it's easier to get tight because you're practicing all the time. Mm-hmm. It yeah. must be difficult to like, unless you're performing in front of a mirror, sort of yeah. thing, like a dance studio thing, to understand how to command the stage like that naturally and then hold on to well, that like talent comedy. for years. It's yeah. like live comedy because it's really a solo sport, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. usually one vocalist with a DJ, probably who's in the back of you if you're lucky. Um and you need to figure out how to fill that space as you get bigger and bigger and you do these festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Rage was awesome. Uh, Wu-Tang was great. Cypress Hill might have been my favorite oh of, that, my God. of that whole concert. They're, they're, uh, and I did not expect that because I was not a big Cypress Hill fan. Yeah, I, I'm still not. But like, that, yeah, undeniable. <laughs> I mean, they have like, like several drum sets going at once and it's just like... It's the, again controlled chaos. The giant inflatables and like yep. be be real is one of those people that just commands a space too. Like yeah. you wouldn't guess it, but then like even when he was kind of like sitting back in in the whole setup, it was like no, I just want to see what he does next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My one regret is um a friend of mine, her godfather is Eric Bobo, and he is the bongo guy for for Cypress Hill. <laughs> and what? so she she's tight with what them. What a kick. And uh, and she uh, she was there at Rock the Bells too, and I kind of saw her briefly, but not enough to like you know if I would have been like, hey, what up? Definitely would have been backstage with Cypress Hill. Yeah, that would have been awesome. All right, yeah. so Sean, it is your pick. You're following Rage Against the Machine, Ghost of Tom yes. Joad, the cover off of Renegades. Yes. So I'm using the uh, Zach De La Roca connection. Uh, he had been he's on this album, not this song, uh, but he's on this album. And the song is Make You Feel That Way by Black Alicious. Okay, uh, yeah. And Black Alicious also came out, again, so this goes back to like the Soul Quarry and stuff that was like Questlove, Jay Dilla, uh, a lot of these producers back then, like they produced D'Angelo's uh, Voodoo album. Um, 
And Questlove, I don't think he was the executive producer, but he was a producer on several songs on this album, on a, what's it called? Blazing Arrow by Black Delicious. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people will go right to like the alphabet aerobics thing or anything where like they gift of gab, he's the MC where he raps fast, which is fine. But yeah, like cool. the, the, <laughs> the actual production on this song is just such one that like, it, it's one of the songs where like, you know where you were the first time you heard it and it puts you exactly back there no matter how many times you listen to it. It's such like a smooth, easy listening type song. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a nice song. What's what's the one on there with uh, Cut Chemist, who also oh. I, I feel like doesn't get enough credit for no, how good Cut he Chemist is. Cut Chemist is fantastic. Um, that's the one with uh, where where he raps fast. Uh, chemical calisthenics. I calisthenics. That, that's the word I could I couldn't get calisthenics in my head. <laughs> yeah, that's the one where um, again he does the rap fast thing. He did al- or they did alphabet aerobics on Nia or NIA. I always forget how it's yeah. pronounced. And then he did uh, he did uh, chemical calisthenics. Uh, which I think was actually more impressive. Um, yeah, on Blazing like, Arrow. The, the album is full of like really cool kind of guest appearance kind of things. Where like, yeah, like first so, first in flight had Gil Scott Heron. Yeah, Gil Scott Heron. Uh, ben I'm, Harper I'm up, shows up. Yeah, Ben Harper shows up on uh, Brainwashers. That was the first yeah, time I, I heard uh, Ben Jaguar Harper. Jaguar Wright. I forgot about the Jaguar, Jaguar Wright or Oral Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, yeah, this was like. Questlove might have executive produced this album. Um, now that I'm looking at all the connections there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, again, it, I, this came out in 2002. And it's just one of those ones where I'm like, it just holds up entirely start to finish. And Zach De La Roca and Saul Williams both appear on a, um, on a song at the end. I think it's called Release. Um, that's really good. Yeah, Release, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, Black Delicious, more than just rapping fast. So the only song with with a Questlove producer credit on it is uh, Nowhere Fast, but he does show up on there. Okay. It's, it's okay. mostly Chief XL. Yeah, Chief the, XL. Uh, Chief XL across the board the, um, here producer, it looks like. He's the uh, DJ and producer for for uh, Black Delicious. Yeah. Oh, DJ Shadows on uh, Paragraph Shadow. President. Okay. I wish I was next. I would just play the one cut chemist song that's in my head all the time. Well, yeah. you can't because I'm next. <laughs> yeah. Can I make works. a flip? Because there's no other. There's <laughs> literally okay, yeah. no other chance that I will get to play this song. It will flip. <laughs> all right. So there is a. Uh, uh, Cut Chemist album that he made, which is all samples, I believe. Um, it's uh, the audience is listening, and it like a lot of those were like there's like the David Byrne, Brian Eno one, My Life in the Bush with Ghosts, like and the Bush of Ghosts. I, I never say all the words right in that album, but we're like they're they're really good, but about halfway through you kind of lose focus and stop realizing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But the Cut Chemist one, the first track on that album, Motivational Speaker is so much fun to listen to it has like such cool drops where like you just hear kind of very normal sounding kind of like uh was kind of like you're you're in school basically like that Mm -hmm. kind of like Like just like just kind of like din like 
Yeah, just like somebody like kind of giving you instructions, basically. But like, just the way it's set to the beat, it has like a musical quality to it. The way he kind of just makes something out of this very mundane thing, and it it is so impressive. And parts of it are just like in my head all the time. And like, I it's it's one of those like that wouldn't normally hook me in the way that it does. But like, for some reason, this one song, Motivational Speaker by Cut Chemist, just really does it. Yeah, so I never actually listened to uh, to this album. Um, obviously, I know Cut Chemist from, J- from Jurassic 5. Yeah, that, that's um, the only reason I even kind of went down that path. It yeah. appears on. Um, but again, like, it's such an art form to to sample things and employ them in that way where again it's almost like a hook that get that that gets stuck in your head except it's just like a spoken word or something like that you know just like knowing the exact right moment yeah like to it's, drop it's, that in there it's one of those things too i oh man i wish i could remember the show but it, it was a, a youtube show that i saw black milk on and they send like kind of there's a lot of people like that level of producer but they they send them into a record store and like all right just pick three albums like don't don't go looking for stuff you know just pick three random albums and then they had to make a beat by the end of the show out of those things mm-hmm. and like to have that kind of like encyclopedic mind of the things that you do have and like knowing where to find like the smallest little blips like on the black milk one where he like he pulled a scratch from one of the albums and was like this will work and made a beat using the scratch from a different album that he found just like randomly like yeah, seeing I mean, that extended across a 12 track thing where you have 12 distinct tracks of that that all work was it just it blows my mind like again it's like when the thing's like oh why doesn't everyone just do this it's like oh no because this is an absurd level of talent and you know yeah, obviously I mean, like work at dj shadow has one of those too yeah shadow is yeah shadow is you know maybe the king of that he was the most popular one to start that um but yeah, guys like him, Cut Chemist, RJD2, uh, they're just monsters yeah. with that stuff. Jay Dilla, Jay Dilla obviously was maybe one of the best. Yeah. You know, he takes one small like horn sample that's not even like, you know, technically a sample because it's a, uh, it's almost like, like sampling a drum, you know, you can't really be a sample, but it's like, and then he'll just craft an entire three minute song around that one, you know? Yeah, that guy. wild. I, I dream of having the brain for it. I don't. Well, like, I mean, I have stuff that, you know, now that I'm getting more into production and stuff that like, I'll listen to something I'm, I'm going to use that at some point and I will, and I'll go back to it and it's a good idea, but it doesn't turn out the way it should, you know? It's yeah. just like, yeah, it's wild. It's like, I, I think about like this song, there's like so many just kind of cool drops where like, he found somebody just kind of like casually saying like, are you ready? And it's not like an, are you ready? It's just like a, are you ready? And it, mm-hmm. it just works so well. Cause like think about like how many times there's probably a recording of somebody saying, are you ready? And to like know exactly where to pull the right one that works for the song that you have in front of you. Like it is such an intricate puzzle. It's, it, it blows my mind. It really does. Yeah. And yeah, like the, the last line of the song too, it's if you don't like the product, keep your mouth shut, which 
I don't, I don't know where that comes from, what possibly that could be from. It just feels like it's from an educational video of some sort. Those are my favorite samples. I I feel like that would be like from like a sales video where they're training salesmen for like, for like those copper, those copper sidings or whatever, copper gutters. And they're just like, Hey, listen, if you don't like the product, (laughs) keep your mouth shut. We're selling yeah. these 40 grand copper uh, uh, gutters. Yeah. To have Someone's that as the last line <laughs> as of an intro track, like if that was on any hip hop album done by an actual rapper, that's like, oh shit, you just set the stage for something really cool coming after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, with all this talk of samples and stuff, I think I figured out what my next one will be. Um, many people I think listening won't know this song, but they will know the sample. Okay, one of those. So I'm gonna add um, the song I Got the by Labby Cifre. Hmm. Okay, what's the what's the so I'm looking at this on um, on my website. I don't want to give any uh, any more publicity to than they deserve because I think they're a snitch ass site. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, uh, obviously it's obviously, yeah. So Eminem sampled this that, uh, for my name is, yeah. uh, Jay-Z and streets is watching. Um, I mean, yeah. The beat nuts sampled it. Def squad, uh, atmosphere the, sampled it in summer song. The yes. main, the main sample that it, it uses is the, but, um, but, uh, but, in my, uh-huh. uh, uh, in the slim shady song, my name is. Yup. 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 Huh. And I never thought of that as a sample. Yep. That is um, the weird part with a lot of these songs is you're like, oh, that's just the baseline, especially for somebody, oh, the yeah. the level of fame. You're like, you probably just got somebody to play a baseline. Well, because, so I think my name is was probably produced by, I don't think it was Dre, it was probably Mark the 45 King. And me and John Laurent taking it back to that last night, we're talking about Mark the 45 King and what like a crazy you know, long career he's had and like how accomplished he is. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what we're saying with Cut Chemist, where it's like, like you said, like black milk, it's like these people just like find these things and and they made an entire, you know, million dollar record off of that, yeah. you know? I uh, mean, I will never forget there was another like rapper. I mean, it was making million dollar records, but it's something that's like formative to my years is that yeah. one of enemy's friends was this guy named Scoby One because his first okay. name, last name was Scobrack. So he just called himself Scoby One. But he would sample like, like Norma Jean and uh, what it was Norma Jean and Nora Jones. And he would just combine these two samples from these two very different yeah. groups and create a great song. Like it was, he, I forget what Nora Jones song, but it was like this melody, like, Ooh, and just pulled that. And that was enough to like set the song up to be like this great rap song. I just, it's, it it's, takes a special ear. And I, I will never yeah. understand it. Yeah, no, I mean, because again, like you can have the idea, but actually putting it into practice and and reinventing it into something listenable mm-hmm. is not as easy as like what people used to say about rapper. They're like, they just steal other people's melodies and steal other people's whatever. It's like, no, it, it it's a little bit more than that. And when you get and you try to do it yourself, you realize it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a lot of playing the instrument you're given. Like yeah. Like I grew up in a house that had a keyboard, so I learned how to play a keyboard. If I only mm-hmm. had a house that had a turntable, or samplers, who knows? Or like, or yeah, yeah, that's what you do. You use what's there, and again, like that's what hip hop started as because they would have the break beats, 
that they would play from like disco records and some rock records and funk and obviously stuff like that. And they'd be playing them at these neighborhood parties and they'd have the two decks going at once and they would, you know, focus in on the drum break on something. And then that drum break then became the basis for something else because they'd find the horns on another record on the other deck. And now you have a new song. Yeah. I just wish I, mean, I didn't it's... grow up in a household that was so full of empty wine bottles everywhere. <laughs> but you do, George, <laughs> you play the you play the empty wine bottle. You blow into those wine bottles so well. <laughs> no matter no matter how much I'd line them up, they would always go do do do. No matter which side, how much water, but it was always the same sound. It's really yeah. depressing. Uh, all right, so well, Sean, you are next. This is your last choice. Man, so that was a uh... So I, I do have to ask, so George, did you know this song before we get on? The I've lines? listened to it before. I, I, I followed a playlist for a while where it was just like, find the sample. And it's yeah. just different songs. Oh, there's that a handful like, of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this was on a bunch of them. Cause like you said, there's like 30 different samples that people pull from, from yeah. this one song. Um, but then like they'd have, oh, I forgot the name of it, but it's like the song with the Amen break. And yes. with the amen break, it's just like, that's oh my God. not a beat that someone made that's ripped from something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So do you know the story behind that? I mean, it's it's sad because the guy never got the money for it. That is um, a shame. That he should have. Yeah, because um, it's in everything. <laughs> yeah. And again, that was one of the things, you know, we learn early in production. It's like, you know, the amen break is like the the one, you know, it's yeah. in, from prodigy to, you know, everyone. Everyone That's what this in. playlist needs. Put a prodigy song on this. <laughs> <Yeah>. Let's see. <laughs> Find a I way to get Lava Zifre and go into Firestarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if anyone can make a dumb connection, it's me. Um, <laughs> so um, hmm, I'm trying to see how much I want to uh, how much I want to uh, bend the space-time continuum here. Um, actually, no, no, no. What I want to do, uh, since uh, the beat nuts sampled uh, I got the. I want to go with another beat nut song right. and that is off the books and that features big pun. Uh, I think Noriega, I gotta see who else is on that, but that was a song again. I'm kind of ending where I started with Eve. That was like a high school song for me that came out in 98, I want to say. Uh, and the beat nuts were just like huge. Um, please don't tell me it's not on Spotify. Yes, it is. Okay. It's already on that. Yep. I put okay, it up. Cool. Um, yeah. So so it's the Beat Nuts, Big Pun, Cuban Links, and Cuban Links is not, um, Cuban Links is a rapper. It's not the album by uh, Raekwon. <laughs> not um, the legendary album. <laughs> no. Uh, but again, this is like t- typical. And again, if you listen to that song and it goes, this goes with our sampling theme, uh, there is a flute sample in Off the Books that J-Lo ended up using in one of her, uh, one of her um, songs that were like, you know, a huge thing it might have been i don't know if it was jenny from the block or what but she used the same flute sample i think but people were mad that like she wasn't crediting the beat nuts but it <laughs> was also first off she didn't know where it came from it wasn't harris the producer there's no way <laughs> secondly, <laughs> and secondly though i always assumed that the flute was a sample on the beat nuts album or on the on off the books mm-hmm. um so i'm like yeah you can't get mad when someone uses the same sample um but that would be wild if it wasn't that they actually if it had wasn't, a live if they, flute. Well, that's what I'm wondering if they did, because uh, people were pretty mad about that. But it's also like you know, grow up, grow yeah. up. Like <laughs> yeah, like you can't, you don't get to have it both ways. Okay, so yes, yeah, so that song came out in 1997. Um, 
but again, that was like the height of big pun. Uh, and, and the beat nuts were again, another kind of like collective of guys who were just like these insanely prolific producers and then kind of just went away. You know, it was like, you always kind of thought that they were going to be around and then they weren't. Uh, so I'm trying to see if, if there's anything to that, uh, that sample issue because also if like it's almost like drawing attention to something because i'm sure if the flute was a sample on both of them j-lo's producer definitely cleared it yeah one one of them probably paid for it yeah (laughs) you know um but again i'm trying to go back to that that website that i don't want to name um (laughs) let's see again i don't like it because again part of the fun of um of listening to hip hop and growing up with it is organically recognizing samples, yeah. especially yeah. when they've been like chopped up and whatever so much. Um, uh, so, I feel like a genius when I hear a song and I'm like, Oh, dude, oh I know so where cool. else I've heard this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to say like, that, that like my buddy, uh, like my buddy enemy, uh, he had a song on like an early, early record that we were like, you can't get away with this. And he's like, no one's going to know. Uh, Cause all he did was play like a clip from um, Tears in Heaven mm-hmm. and didn't slow it down, didn't speed it up. Just, it was just like that and then put a beat behind it. Uh, <laughs> and it uh, was like, buddy, you're going to get sued. And he was like, I'm a I'm a rapper from Connecticut. They don't even know I exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this will be a problem someday. Did he, did he end up putting it out? Did he leave it? Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a, I think it's on my band camp. You can go listen to it. It's I mean, great. that's the, I always like that stuff because that's like, the Diddy school of sampling, except Diddy's thing is I'm so rich. Of course, Jimmy Page is going to end up giving me, you know, all full clearance. Yeah. Enemy is of like, course, you know, Jimmy Page will give me I? the permission to put Godzilla sounds over his classic riff. <laughs> <laughs> I still say that's the best version. It um, is. Come with me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the thing. You either have to be like so high up, uh, that that you know no one's gonna you know you can call them directly mm-hmm. or like your buddy you're just like okay yeah please give me attention please he was, he was known for that i think the last song that he put out with apathy producing it so they i'm sure they had to clear the, oh, the yeah, sample yeah. uh but it was um like it's song's called power it's great it's a great tune but they just sample just samples kanye <laughs> no no he just, oh, he oh, just the, samples uh, the, the chill rod bass uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah the whole song just starts it's like it's barely anything strange because he said that apathy was producing it that tells me that he either knew who to talk to to clear that yeah or or he was just like listen i had songs feature in csi miami I'll use some money here to clear this one for you. Yeah, don't worry about it, bud. <laughs> yeah, I got this one. This one's on me. Uh, it's a great song, which honestly I, I might add it later if if that if it becomes my turn. I've got right. like three so, songs that I'm waiting to see if I could use them or not. It, it is your turn again because the, 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 the flip is what? only a one round thing. I've well, decided. We, <laughs> we've been we've been talking about them this whole time, and I feel like it's a strong enough connection. So I'm gonna put my buddy, enemy the illest track power. Uh, nice. Produced by Apathy. Now, now you hear this song, you hear it, it's jazzing you up, and then Enemy, who used to work at Ruby Tuesdays, will walk over and be like, "Hi, what's up? My name's NME the Illist. What can I get you this evening? <laughs> <laughs> want to get is... started with a salad bar?" <laughs> <laughs> As in, like the back of his head, he's just hearing oh, yeah. like that he's riff and fucking tying you know? his thing on. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that rules oh i love it that's good i like that that is like again that's like the kind of rap it's like i always call it like rapping ass rap you know like rappers who really rap you know what i mean like (laughs) like like that's like again that makes sense to be down like apathy and demigods and those dudes yeah uh, they do. those are rapping ass rappers you know yeah. <laughs> he uh he the last time i was at voltage and he gets on stage and he's running around there's people next to me be like who is this guy it's like he's and, like i almost said it's my butt uh, it's uh-huh. enemy the ellis he's a dude from connecticut you love him and he like mm-hmm. went up and then i saw nme the illist later and he realized like oh you run the merch booth <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> he's the king of merch though he's got Dude, like he's like eight or nine different like cool 80s reference like parody t-shirts he's got like mm-hmm. a enemy one but it's got like the teenage mutant ninja turtles thing on it it's got a boba fett one um the drummer from the hardcore band i think he knows personally and will play with him every once in a while um, or plays in his other band. He's also the hype man for a ska band um, called the Hempsteadies, which is great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think their drummer is somehow affiliated with the hardcore band Such Gold. So anytime you see a Such Gold video rolling around, it's just their drummer rocking enemy merch. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's good. That's cross branding, man. You got that's, it. Uh, that's uh, good, though. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's but, cool. Yeah, that just best. takes me back to like, takes me back to the days of like the first Unitarian Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Like, seeing like guys like that open for you know yeah my god and apathy and people like yeah. that and and then again yeah now you meet them because they're the ones running the merch booth and and they have uh dumbass drunk people there not trying to buy cds but just trying to take up like 20 minutes of their time yeah yeah uh i love that i was like the mm-hmm. couple times that i've seen them is at back at voltage and and just like every time it's always like a bunch of kids hanging around. I was like, Oh man, that was pretty good. Pretty good. So like, dap you up. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what's no, up, bro? I'm and I'm like, too? like, New excuse beats? me. And <laughs> the illest. I just need to, oh, man. need beats. I, I, uh, I need, I need to get into the probe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh good. All right. Well, Dan, not right. this one, but the other one, uh, he's going to hate me that I've called him Dan. Cause we used to be on stage. Like, cause we, in Connecticut, there's no, there's a scene, but it's pretty, once you get in with a certain uh, group, it's you know, like you'll play shows with those bands or those groups. So because of our middle of nowhere town, it'd be like, we would open a little pop punk emo band and then at, like Enemy and Scobie Wan and like all his buddies would go up and they would do sets just off of iPods. And then a hardcore band called End All Suffering would get up on stage and like just fucking destroy the entire room and we Beautiful. would just play those shows all the time and we'd be like hey i want to thank nme the illest for driving us home tonight i can't wait <laughs> and, he, and he'd come up to us after the show and be like god damn it it's enemy the illest <laughs> n period m period <laughs> no and then he would do that at shows where i'd be like hey nme the illest he was like it's N- what the fuck we've been through this for 10 <laughs> years <laughs> uh, that's great all right uh, well it's your turn all right i'm gonna close it out with uh what i think is a really fun choice based on how the playlist has gone so far and i really like that it's going to be the last choice because you guys don't have to follow it I don't know if it's you don't get to follow it or you don't have to follow it, but I'm going to do The Power of Love by Celine Dion. There you go. Is this the song that I heard on that goddamn thing that I was talking to you about in the previous episode of Feel Feelings? Play this uh, song. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> I, 
Okay, it's not this song, but still. The song does kind of rule. Well, it got- rules, but it's not... Oh, no, not that song. That song. Yeah, I'm realizing as I, I become an older older person, Celine Dion only makes music for people who are the age I'm about to be, and I'm, I'm realizing I'm crossing that threshold. You're crossing the threshold, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great to own all the best you love songs on two-disc set? <laughs> <laughs> This song. Okay, I do know this okay. song. I'm done. I, I know this song this from song. that commercial. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I know this song there. because my dad had it when I was a kid, and we used to make fun of him for having Celine Dion all the time. And now I'm like, damn, your dad's, damn it, you were right. <laughs> I love how your dad's like the music dork in the family, too. Like, your mom is like, oh, no, like Elton John, David like, Bowie. These are the I, things. I'm, I'm literally going to see Sparks Brothers, the documentary, with my mom on Friday. Like, yeah, she's the cool she, music She's mom. the only person you're... I know who would go see that movie with me. But yeah, my dad is like, no, I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Celine Dion is actually in trouble right now because she apparently- Oh, what'd she do? She forsaked, um, now I as a rule do not pay attention to hockey, but I know that the Golden Knights are are, uh, are bashing it up with, um, with the uh, Canadians. Mm-hmm. And Correct. you would think that she is a Montreal Canadiens fan. Oh, is she a Golden Knights fan? Well, she's she also on the, on the Jumbotron because, and so Defector, the awesome website, Defector had a great piece on this. And, uh, and they had like little, like, you know, puns about her all her song titles. I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely missed the power of love because I never heard it. Um, <laughs> but uh, they talk about how, you know, she took, she bought a house there in 03 when she started her four year residency. I mean, she she has a residency. Yeah. Oh Yeah. And one of her kids plays for like the Golden Knights under 16 team. So it's like, cut her some slack. She's yeah. been through a lot. She lost her very old husband. Yes. Her yeah. husband was very much older than her. I'm just realizing I'm checking now because my team is also playing tonight and uh, they're wow. not doing well. Do you know Celine Dion won Eurovision one year and she's Canadian? What? Well, I'm sorry, Eurovision? Is that WandaVision? WandaVision? <laughs> very, very much the same. It's set in the, same the 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. and 2000s. <laughs> I don't know what Eurovision is. Eurovision is what gave the world ABBA in the first place, but it's just that every every country enters a song. Basically, there's there's each country has a song. It's like a pop song contest. Each country in Europe. Yes. Um, U.S. does not get to be. However, here's the thing, and it's an old Eddie Izzard joke, and she they are one of my favorite comedians of all time. Uh, but they have a great joke where it's, uh, yeah, America, you know, you guys have the world series and America's one every year. Very well done America. <laughs> it's the same thing with Eurovision. We're like, if yeah. like Canada can participate, but not America, they have the uh-huh. world series. <laughs> so yeah. how did she win that? That's not right. I, I still don't even know how it happened. I just know that she sang for somebody and won. Interesting. But she's definitely a Canadian and not yes. European of any sort. But I feel but like it might have been France. It might have been she France. French Canadian. Yeah. But even yeah, then, I think she is. Canada, sovereign. Canada is they English. tried to be sovereign in the 90s. Uh-huh. They wanted to be their own thing. That could have uh-huh. been like a weird legal loophole where they were trying to be respectful to those uh, they secessionists. They didn't think about the Celine Dion loophole. Yeah, yeah Celine Dion loophole. Every time. Every single time. Well, I think this is. So, yeah, we wrapped it up with Celine Dion despite being very hip hop heavy throughout this whole It's playlist. been a fun episode. We don't usually dive into the hip hop. Uh, mostly because I'm very I- ignorant to uh, hip hop, but I, I do my best. I try to represent. No, this was really cool. I feel like every I, time I do, I do really like, like we went from Mary Tyler Moore. 
straight through hip hop until Celine Dion. Pretty much, is, right? It's that's the full scope of my brain on most days. So <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the one that I I didn't get to add, but I also like it's one of my favorite rap artists of all time and i didn't get to add them because i feel like there's some controversy there there was and there wasn't it's kind of hard to break down but the fact that there's no pos on here is a little bothersome oh, POS is all right. yeah. uh, well you know yeah that thick yeah um yeah there's a, like, there's a lot of those oh is there a uh, thing i don't know about that. There's, there's a there thing. Was a big uh, big uh, thing within last year within uh, rock sayers and then yeah and then Steph went to bat. It was like, yeah, we would never do this. And then one of the girls that's on Rhyme Series was like, bro, you do this to me all <laughs> You're the, the time. One. You're the one I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, there, yeah, there's like, you know, some POS and Dem Atlas stuff where I'm like, oh, I just don't listen to them now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, I, it's like, unfortunate because I've been looking for that record for years, like on mm -hmm. vinyl. And I know if I get it, I'll buy it, but it'll go yeah. up in record jail with Ryan Adams. There you uh, go. Like, yeah, well, I've lost a lot of favorite bands this year. It's a bummer. Mm -hmm. Yep. But anyway, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long one. I hope yeah. we can edit this down yeah, a little bit. That's my fault. No, no it's, this like, is it's, great. I, I it's love how this episode went. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. This, this kind of hit the trivia brain so hard for me today. And actually having it as functional conversation and not me just spouting facts to nobody. It was pretty nice. Mm, nice. <laughs> So yeah, Sean, you got you got Talking Sit. It's a yes. Sunday show. What else yes, you got? Uh, Talking Sit is coming back this Sunday. Uh, the first guest is our own Meg Getz. That's um, right. We are covering Alf. And boy, did I land on some things I didn't think I would. Uh, so we're Talking <laughs> Sit every Sunday. Uh, the Grape Room in Manionk in Philadelphia, PA, USA, not France. Um, every Tuesday, we are there. We have a big show coming up next week, headlined by Chip Chantry. Uh, no, that so, guy. But uh, this may not air until then. But anyway, just come out to the Grape Room every Tuesday until I die. Fair. Sounds good. Yeah, that's fair. I've only been twice, and one time I showed up late, and yeah. then I went up last, and then uh, What's His Bucket uh, made me laugh and gave me a fist bump. Nice. Who am I thinking of? Ryan Foster. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. He was running that sound that day. He thought my one joke was funny. <laughs> that's all that matters. Because so that's, that's all I need. That's probably who you're per performing for at that point. Yeah. Feel Feelings is a Wasted Robot production. Editing done by Dan Getz. Music by George Bruderman. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FeelFeelingsPod and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm backslash feelfeelings. If you're ever feeling any heavy emotions and feel like there's nowhere to turn to, please don't hesitate to reach out to us or to any of the resources in the show notes. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the Wasted Robot Network. For more information on this and other podcasts, visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Wasted Robot Records. We're such a professional show. <laughs>